The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Where have you lost sight of what truly matters most? Notice I didn't ask, have you lost sight of what truly matters most? I said, where have you lost sight of what truly matters most? Because we all deal with this. Like this isn't like a do I or don't I, it's where have I? In what area of my life have I lost sight of what truly matters most? And the way we lose sight of what matters most is we get caught up in the distractions. We get consumed with the trivial and we, we start drifting into what um, is emotionally consuming, right? We get caught up in all this stuff. Maybe you're spending more time on your phone or behind a device than with the people you love. Maybe you're in important moments of your life and you're, you're instead of focusing on the moment, you're focused on a distraction, I've, Laura and I, when we rarely get a chance to go on a date, uh, but we try to, you know, we try to regularly go out on dates, you know, but when we go out and, you know, it, it's precious for us because, uh, you know, we don't get to do it all the time, you know, very often, but um, we go out and we'll see other, like, you see some young couple and the entire date, they're on their phone. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, either it's not important to you or you're missing the point. Like, you're Focus on something that is distracting you from what matters most. And, uh, you know, thinking about uh, all these moments in our lives, when I think uh, too often we view them even through the lens of our phone, right? Like, instead of fully focused on the moment, we, we're, watching, we're watching the most significant moments of our life through our phone. And so I have this like, and by the way, this isn't me like bashing, you know, your phone or taking pictures or videos, but I I have this like personal, I don't know, emphasis that like I call them taking selfish photos. It's where I don't video it or I don't photograph it and I just enjoy it. Like I put down my phone and I just go, I'm going to be fully present in this moment. Or if I have to photo it or video it, because somebody asked me, like, please video that, I'll literally hold my phone like this, and, so, and then I just watch it. And then you get the shaky, crummy version, because I really don't care about the video. I want to just enjoy it, right? And maybe you're, some of you are thinking, ah, if actually just old and, you know, he just, you know, doesn't care. But like, I, I, I value those moments with too much, uh, I put too much significance on them to just view them through a lens. And uh, in fact, uh, of kind of like losing sight of what matters most uh, in, and, and in fact, I have to make sure I get the date correct because somebody corrected me between services. So I wrote it down here. Yeah, he was right. I had a young man catch me between services. You, you gave the wrong year. On December 17th, 1903, uh, Wilbur and Orville Wright sent a telegram home to their family after they had four successful flights, first ever powered flight, right? And so the telegram said, you know, basically something effective, you know, four powered flights, the longest one lasted 58 seconds, went a total of 582 feet. And they ended the telegram, by the way, a telegram for those of you that you know, you're young and you haven't learned this yet, uh, it's kind of like a text, except it takes a little while to get there. Okay, so I got the telegram and, and uh, it's, you know, it said, you know, successfully accomplished four powered flights, we'll be home for Christmas. And when the family got the telegram, they went, yay, the boys will be home for Christmas. 
and which maybe is what matters, but they missed like this like significant, huge accomplishment and achievement by these two boys. They just focused on whether they could be home, but missed like the wow of the telegram. And so where in your life have you lost sight of what matters most? And we can do that with Christmas, can't we? We get so caught up in Christmas, we can get so caught up in the best time of the year that it becomes something far less than the best time of the year, right? You can get caught up in the decorations and the celebrations and the feasting and the festivities. And I'm, I'm like many of you, I love Christmas. I mean, in our house, I'm the one who really goes crazy for Christmas. You wouldn't think it, but I, I'm the one. I wanna buy Christmas stuff. It sounds a little bit, I mean, I'm the one that goes to the store and I will buy new ornaments. I just brought some home the other day because we, we got a taller Christmas tree this year. We've had the same one for 22 years, super impressive, uh, and it got destroyed. But uh, <laughs> as you can imagine, use your imagination. Uh, so we had to get it, we got a taller one that actually fits in our living room. And because it's taller, it needs bigger ornaments. And so I picked out some ornaments. I got some new garland. And you know, to be fair to Laura, what she, what she sees when I bring this stuff home is like, she knows that those ornaments are gonna become hand grenades for the boys. And she knows that the garland will be used like a rope to swing down, the, you know, swing off the balcony. And so she's like, no, more stuff for the boys to destroy. But you know, I love Christmas. I mean, look at this. I got a custom exclusive Lifehouse Christmas sweater. I mean, this is, you can't even get this. This is not merch. And some of you, you just got jealous. I mean, you, you, had, you picked out a great Christmas sweater or sweatshirt today, and you thought you were coming, you are like, I'm going to win the prize, and then you saw this, and you were like, oh, man, Patrick won up me. I mean, that has got Lifehouse design on it. That's next. I mean, some of you online, you're like, I got to look that up, see if I can get that on. You can't. It's exclusive. And you see what happened? You got caught up. You got jealous because there's something better that now you've got to have. See, Christmas does that to you. you. You get caught up in wanting the better and the faster and the, the better looking. You know, I'm just messing with you guys. You guys know I'm just messing around, right? Um, and, but that's what happens, right? We can get lost in the best time of the year and miss what's best about Christmas. And there's a, a, an entire le letter in the Bible written for this specific purpose to remind us that Christmas is better. And so let me give you some context. How do you get reminded of what is most important? Usually a crisis, a diagnosis, someone ends up in the hospital, a tragedy, some really difficult situation in your life that then is like an anchor point that brings you back to what matters most, right? Because when you're sitting in the hospital room or you feel like you, you could have lost someone or you just lost someone, or maybe you're looking back on Christmas's past and now you don't have those loved ones. You think, you know what matters most? None of this stuff, right? It takes sometimes crisis and tragedy to bring us back. This letter, it's in the Bible, it's simply called Hebrews, but it's actually a letter to the Hebrew Christians. It's written during a time of war where the Roman Empire is trying to crush a rising revolution from the nation of Israel, from the Hebrew people who are revolting against or fighting against the oppression of Rome. It's gonna lead to the eventual destruction of Jerusalem and the tearing down of the temple, 
okay? But during that time, there's this war and Christians got caught up in it because most of the early Christians were Jews. And so they had, they had you know, they had, um, who had a, an Old Testament faith, believed in the Messiah, believing it was Jesus, and had become Christians. Well, they get caught up in this crushing, in this, in this um, the, the um, overwhelming or the Roman Empire squelching this revolution. And as a result, the letter is written to this, these Christians challenging them that in the past, they have gotten caught up in and distracted by a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. In fact, they had gotten, what really happened was for them, Jesus wasn't enough. It was like they heard the story of Jesus. They heard the story of Christmas so much that it started becoming less novel. It wasn't captivating. It wasn't enough for them. And so they started piling on other exciting things. And, and so the Hebrew Christians were very spiritual. And they were looking for the next moment. The next highlight. And so the author of Hebrews, after he does his introduction, he gives this essential challenge, which is really the focus of today. He goes like this. This is Hebrews chapter two, verse one. He goes, therefore, in light of what I just said, which I'm gonna get to, he goes, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. He goes, so that you don't drift, you gotta pay really close attention to what I just said. Now, for you, I'm gonna share that with you and say, okay, here's what we need to make sure we don't drift away from. But this idea of drifting, the point is a young couple who consumes themselves on their phone or any couple or any of us who get distracted, get caught up in the trivial, in the, in the less than what is best, it's not that we tried to do that. It's not that we wanted to do that. It's that we drifted. Like, this is why Laura and I, we can't go out to a restaurant that has TVs on the walls. Why? Like every other guy, uh, my eyes will drift from Laura to whatever is on the TV, especially if it's sports. Like, I'm gonna be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. She's talking and I'm supposed to be listening, but I'm watching, right? Because we, we drift and the, and the author is saying you can drift. You don't have to put any effort into this. You don't try to drift. You just drift, right? Think about it like if you're in a, you're in a boat, you're on a raft, you're uh, in a kayak or a canoe, you, you can drift with the flow of the stream or the river, right? It requires effort to not drift. And that's what the author's saying. He goes, it actually requires you to pull out the oar and you're in a canoe, you're in a kayak, right? You actually have to put some effort into staying or not going with the flow. You got because your tendency is to drift. Uh, this is personal for me because when I was a little boy, uh, my parents took me and my brothers to New York City during Christmas time, which means it's insane people just everywhere. We went to Rockefeller Center where they have the big Christmas tree and the, and the skating rink and they have this row of angels, not real angels, by the way, uh, just you know, decorative angels with the trumpets. I don't know why I felt the need to disclaim that as if like people really thought that there was like angels lining Rockefeller Center. Uh, anyway, um, they, my parents wanted family photos in front of it. And so they had us all, you know, all together, to, got a family photo. And then uh, I, I just remember my dad took me off, put me on the sidewalk. And then I guess my parents were gonna get a couple photo. And 
All I know is I just started walking because there was a flow of traffic, of foot traffic on the sidewalk. Now, I didn't think about it. My feet just started moving and I just started walking with foot traffic. The next thing I know, I get yanked out of the crowd or out of the flow. Why? Because my dad, after getting the photo, realized, where's Patrick? Oh no, I think they kind of were hoping I would you know, disappear. But anyway, um, first service thought that was funnier. Uh, anyway, my dad realized I wasn't there. He sees the flow of the foot traffic, runs down the street, looking in at the crowd, looking for a little short dude, sees me, pulls me out of the drift, and then he didn't know whether to, you know, beat me or hug me, so he hugged me. Oh, he did want me. Um, they weren't trying to get rid of me. And uh, hugs me, and, and my goal today is to kind of reach in the crowd and pull you out of the drift. To, to kind of just jump in there and go, hey, 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 there's a tendency to drift. And you have to put effort into getting out of that flow. So here's what the author of Hebrews does. He goes, let me bring you back to what matters most. Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse one, he goes, in the past, this is what God has done. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. There's a lot of different ways God has spoken to people. Thunder and lightning, earthquakes, fire from heaven, 10 commandments. He sent the prophets. But in these last days, he did something better. In these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, meaning every other way that God has spoken and revealed himself is just that. It's a glimpse but Jesus was the full radiance of God's glory. You, you wanna understand who God is? Jesus is all of it. He is everything of God. You get the full picture of God when you know Jesus. The, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, meaning everything exists and is sustained by Jesus and his word. And, and what, the he, what the author of Hebrews is trying to do, by the way, we don't know who the author was. It might have been the Apostle Paul. It might have been Apollos. But what he's driving at is this. Many of you are used to getting little glimpses and you're looking for another revelation. You want another word from God. You're, you're seeking understanding through the prophets. You're trying to understand how to apply the 10 commandments. Remember, he's talking to a, a Jewish audience. That's their background. He goes, you've been caught up in all the religious activities, following all of the rules. You got ceremonies for this and celebrations for that. He goes, but that wasn't the, all of that was pointing to Jesus, who is the full radiance of God's glory and a, the full capture of the essence of God. He goes, and yet you so easily drift. So then he shifts over and he goes, what are you drifting to? Like, what did you think was better? Well, here we go. He goes, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son? He goes, you're getting caught up in pursuing spiritual stuff. Like you want angels. Well, what are angels? Angels are nothing. They're not a big deal. I mean, there's something, but they're not a big deal. He goes, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. 
And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. What, what am I getting at here? What's the point? The author is writing and saying this, God, God gave you what is best and it's not enough and you go looking for something else. You get caught up in spiritual experiences. You get caught up in, in um, pursuing things that are less than what is best. And what's best is, so, so the point is this, don't miss the best of Christmas. And what's best? Well, he's going, Jesus. And some of you are hearing this and you're going, I've heard this before. That's the point. Is it becomes trivial, it becomes normal. There's nothing normal about the story of Christmas. God putting on human clothing and becoming one of us is anything but normal. It is extraordinary. It is miraculous. It should never be trivial or common. And here's what happens. When it becomes trivial and commonplace, we begin to replace or place in in the place of Jesus, other stuff. We go seeking for the spiritual because Jesus isn't enough for us. Blaise Pascal, a 17th century philosopher and scientist, said that there is a God-shaped void in the heart of every man, of every human that can only be filled through the person of Jesus Christ. When you, when, whether you know it or not, this God-shaped void inside of us leaves us feeling empty. And so some try to fill it with, you know, adrenaline rushes or a relationship or, you know, entertainment or achievements or possessions. Many people try to put something spiritual there. You go looking for religion or faith or church or saying prayers, spiritual activity but not necessarily the person of Jesus. And then you have people who they believe in Jesus, but they, they feel like Jesus isn't enough. And so they, go st they start stuffing other spiritual experiences into this God-shaped void. Why do we do that? Why do we have this emptiness? Because we are spiritually broken as a result of sin. Sin separates us from relationship with God, right? It creates that void that only Jesus can fill. And that's why the author continues as, as you go literally read through Hebrews chapter one. He said, so after he said, you know, the son is the full um, radiance of God's glory. He goes, after he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In essence, what he's saying is Jesus is better. Jesus did something no one else could ever do for you. He purified you of your sins. What? Okay, so the key to what I just read is this. Don't miss Jesus looking for something better during Christmas or throughout your life. Maybe because you've heard the story, maybe because you grew up in church, or you've heard about Jesus, you can begin to think, well, that's good, but I need more. That's exactly what was going on with the Hebrew Christians. Jesus is good, I need something better. And the author's going, no, no, no. Jesus is the best of the best time of the year. Jesus is what makes Christmas better. And so he goes, and he goes, you wanna know why? Because not only is he the full radiance of God's glory, sustaining everything, but he purifies us of sin. 
And after he purified us of sin, he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven where he is now the full authority of God on your behalf. What? Yeah, here's what happens. God steps from heaven to earth, puts on the skin of mankind. Oh, in the past, God just gave 10 commandments. In the past, God spoke through prophets and priests. In the past, he would use thunder and lightning or earthquakes to get people's attention. And and in the past, God would divide the, the waters to reveal his miracles. In the past, he caused food to rain down from heaven. But today, he is the bread of life. He is the living water. Today, Jesus is the word that we read. He is the living story of Christmas. He is the living story of God. He isn't just 10 commandments. He is the commandment of God written on our hearts. It's Jesus. And he goes, not only did Jesus do all of that, but he came to earth to purify us of our sins. How? God in human form the perfect sacrifice for the payment we deserve. We deserve to go into eternal death, into an eternal death sentence because of our sin. So Jesus came to earth to die on the cross in our place to take on our death sentence. And when you believe in Jesus by faith, it cleanses you. It purifies you of this spiritual sickness, this sin that's in you. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and we can participate in his resurrection where we are not only forgiven, but given new and forever life. So wait, wait, wait. Some of you, it's not just a matter of drifting. It's a, that's the only flow you have in your life. And for the first time, you need a life-changing encounter with God. You realize that Jesus' life divides history, right? Ante Christum Natum, that's the Latin phrase that we get before Christ, BC, and you have Anno Domini Nostre Jesus Christe, which in, that's Latin for in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, AD, right? All of history, BC, AD is defined by the moment when Jesus showed up, when God became a man. And in in every one of our lives, you either have a BC, AD moment or you don't. And if you don't, it's just BC. And I wanna invite you that you can encounter God in such a way that you have a BC, AD moment. All of life before Jesus and all of life counted by in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ from the moment when God transformed my life. And so I wanna invite you, if that's where you're at today, would you say yes to Jesus by faith? Make a commitment and allow him to come in and transform your life the way he transforms history. Would you make that decision? Just say yes to Jesus, I believe in you. Believe that you died, that you rose again for me. And if you're making that commitment, let us know. Scan that QR code that's on the screen. If you're online with us, you can let us know uh, as well. And we'll follow, for all of you, we'll follow up with you. One of our pastors will want to encourage you and resource you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. Now, I want to capture all of your attention because really this message is for those who you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've begun to drift. And it takes effort to get back to or stay focused on what matters most, right? You gotta put intentional energy into not drifting. So this message is about pulling out the oar and starting to row against the flow. Hey, that was good, that that worked. You gotta fight the flow that causes you to drift. So he says this about the, um, regarding angels. 
and, or, or regarding Jesus in contrast to the angels. And I want to drive a central point here, uh, starting in verse six. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, so, this, so he goes, here's Jesus. Here's everything else in the spiritual realm. We'll talk about angels. He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, uh, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and the scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. What is he getting at? He's going like this. There is no one and nothing that compares to Jesus. Nothing in all of creation, nothing in the spiritual realm, nothing in heaven or below heaven ever comes close to the person of Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have what's best. When you have Jesus, he's not just one religion among a bunch of equal religions. No, no, no. Jesus stands above all the rest because he is God. He's not just a son of God like you and I are invited to become children of God. No, he is God the son. He is the king above all kings. He is Lord above all lords. He is the creator of all things and he is the one who inherits everything he created. If you want to understand God, get to know Jesus. If you want to understand the Bible better, get to know Jesus. And when you read the Bible, your goal is to then understand Jesus better. Right, like everything is about getting to know Jesus. Now, this is important. When you get to this, he concludes chapter one with this, this paragraph. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your, your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, in, in Hebrews chapter one, he is, he's speaking about how Jesus is better than angels. Now, I don't know how many of you are caught up in like, you know, loving and worshiping angels and like all distracted by them. I, in fact, I didn't really think that was a big problem in our culture, but what, here's what I do know. Our culture and our world is consumed with the spiritual, absent Jesus. And that's what he's really getting at. He's saying to the Hebrew Christians, you are so, like they wanted an experience with an angel because they look back in the Old Testament where all these people had these angelic moments or they had moments with an angel. They, they got a word from an angel. They got a revelation from an angel. They got a visitation from an angel. I mean, that would be cool, right? But what I know is that what's relevant today is that people are caught up in the spiritual without Jesus. Religions, and spiritual experiences, even within the church and Christianity, like the Hebrews, like the Hebrew Christians, who are looking for the next experience that doesn't emphasize Jesus. And so my, my goal is to give you a, a challenge that says Christmas is better than spiritual goosebumps. That's, that's important. Some of you, part of the reason why you come to church or you got into church, or you leaned into Christianity as you were looking for some spiritual experience. Let me be really clear. In Hebrews chapter one, the author is saying this. Every spiritual encounter you have, every angel serves a very specific purpose to point us to Jesus. Or it's an enemy of Jesus. Why does that matter to you? 
because you are a spiritually hardwired being. You will seek what is spiritual and you have to have a lens with which to interpret what you're seeking. So everything spiritual fits into one of two categories. It's either from God and it serves a point, the purpose of pointing us to Jesus. Anything that is of God, from God, should point us to Jesus. There are things in the spiritual realm that you can experience, but they should always point you to Jesus. Let me, let me unpack that for a moment. Some of you have had an, an experience in worship. Shalisha, one of our leaders, is singing. And you, you have some, I don't know, goosebumpy moment. You felt something. That should have caused you to worship God, to want more of God. It should have led you to go, I need more of Jesus. If it didn't, it wasn't of God. Or you were distracted by it. Some, maybe you, you have a background or you have a, you have a bent toward Pentecostalism or a, a charismatic expression. You, you want to see the gifts of the Spirit operate in your life. Every gift of the Spirit should point you more toward Jesus. If it doesn't, it either wasn't from God or you're misusing it. Every angel, every brush with heaven should point us closer to G more to Jesus. Every manifestation of God should lead us to Jesus or you missed the point. And then there's a second part to that. And this is what he was driving at. There are also spiritual enemies of Jesus that want to pull you away and distract you from him. If you have an experience with the spiritual realm and it doesn't directly point you to Jesus, it is an enemy of Jesus. There are things in the world around you. There are movies that you can watch. Some of you are watching shows. Maybe you're caught up in reading a book. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you know, you're on your tablet and you're scrolling through some ebook or you're, you're caught up in a podcast or there's some famous teacher. It's spiritual, but it's not emphasizing Jesus. It is an enemy of Jesus. Are you hearing me? It's important. Part of my role as pastor is a shepherd. And I know that there are wolves. I know that there are things that want to attack sheep, kill you. You know, there are things that are happening in the spiritual realm that are out to get you. And you've got to learn to guard your heart from the spiritual realm and people who propagate the spiritual who are enemies of God. And so Jesus commissions angels to protect you from his enemies. The angels in your life and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to protect you from enemies. So I, I don't know, I made a list, but I don't want to get into it, like a lot of stuff, but I am concerned about entertainment that is spiritual in nature, but doesn't emphasize Jesus. If it's spiritual, but doesn't focus on Jesus, it's an enemy. Watch out for stuff that seems trivial in our culture. Stuff like the horoscope or tarot cards or palm reading or fortune telling or Ouija board, stuff like that that's like, it. It sounds benign, but trust me, it's dangerous. Because what it's doing is it's replacing Jesus with something less, and it will destroy you. It's pulling you away. It's causing you to drift. Okay, so the message was not about calling out these different weird things that frankly I don't even know a lot about, but I, it is this. My whole goal is to challenge you to pull out an oar, recognize that there is a pull there is a flow in this world 
away from Jesus. And it requires a little bit of effort and a little bit of anchoring to not only stay put, but if you wanna move against the flow, you gotta work a little bit. And my challenge is for you to work at recognizing Jesus is better and you don't need spiritual goosebumps to get more of Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Whatever you're looking for in this spiritual can completely be found in the person of Jesus. So where do you need to row a little bit today? Where do you need to kind of put a little bit of intentionality into going against the, the, the flow of foot traffic? Where do you need to get snatched out and put your focus on Jesus right now? Especially during a season where that's so easy. Can I take a moment? I'm gonna pray over you, all right? But my prayer over you is that you would be able to row against the flow. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus the Son to rescue us, to snatch us out of the flow. Now, God, in every one of our hearts, capture our attention. Help us to recognize those things where we have lost sight of what matters most, you, and get our attention back on the person of Jesus. God, wherever we're drifting, Give us the strength to row upstream into your love and into your presence. Help us not to settle during this season for things that are less than what is best. God, we just wanna fall in love with you during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, can I invite you to, can I invite you to stand with me? We're gonna go into a song and we're gonna sing. Before, before I do that though, before we do, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need prayer specifically for this. Maybe there's other things. I was talking about this season, the challenges that we face, maybe what you've been through recently and you need someone to pray with you. We have a prayer team. Every, every week, every service they're here, they'd love to pray with you, to encourage you, believing that God wants to do something great in your life. If you need prayer, ask for it. Let's join together. Let's just sing. We're gonna be singing about how uh, this invitation of coming, everyone who's faithful, come and let's worship God together. Would you join us? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.